Greetings, brethren, on this day of Pentecost. Now, it was on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit was given to the New Testament church, and that is probably one of the most important features of this day. So what I'm going to speak on today is utilizing God's Spirit in order to overcome. Now, let's notice what we're told here in Colossians 1 and verse number 10. We can pick it up here in verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So, there are a number of things emphasized here, but what I want to address today is the matter of bearing fruit being fruitful in every good work. But there are barriers to fruitfulness. And we can look at uh, the parallel between, let's say, a tree or a vine and uh, ourselves bearing fruit. Because we know, of course, trees and vines bear fruit depending on the type of tree it is. Let's notice here in Jeremiah 2, we might keep in mind that we'll bear fruit depending on the kind of Tree we are, too, spiritually speaking. In Jeremiah 2, verse number 13, we read here, this is what happened to Israel. And as we'll see, this was one of the reasons they didn't bear fruit. So I'm talking here about the barriers. So we read here, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn to themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. In other words, they did not receive the proper nourishment they should have been receiving. That nourishment would have come, of course, from God and from His Word, but they, they didn't want that. They, they went after, they didn't want the fountains of living water. They wanted to be like the world and choose the kind of uh, nourishment the world offered. So one of the proper, one, let's put it this way, one of the main reasons, there are several I'm going to list here today, but one of the main reasons is the improper nourishment. Now, there's anything, a number of things that can cause improper nourishment, but certainly a lack of water is one of them. Now, Jesus gave an example here in the New Testament in Matthew, the 13th chapter. And in Matthew, the 13th chapter, he said, beginning here in verse num verses number 5 and 6, this, he's talking here about the parable of the sower. And he said, Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. They couldn't get the proper nourishment there. Plain and simple. They did not have any real roots down in, um, in the place where nourishment could come from. So uh, spiritually speaking then, he goes on to explain it here a little bit later on. Uh, we can pick it up over here in verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So as we read over here, and verse 4, As he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. So I think we all know that if we plant anything in in very poor quality soil, we're not going to get a good crop. I remember um, I bought a dry root pear tree 
It was about as big as round as maybe my thumb, maybe a little bit bigger than that. And uh, I dry rooted and put it in, and uh, you 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 pour the, the mix the water and the the mud together until it's a sort of a soup, and then you put it in there and place it. And uh, so I thought that was fine, and it uh, put out leaves the first uh, first year, you know. And then I noticed the thing just really doing poorly. And the second year I looked at it, and it just looked like it was dying. And I I, I knew right then and there it wasn't getting any nourishment because roots hadn't had time to really get out and gain any nourishment, so I think I'd put vitamin B on it to start off with. But anyway, I asked the uh, the gardener what I should do, a gardener downtown, what I should do, and he said, get some of this fish oil. So I got this fish oil, and I mixed it all up, and I poured it in there, and I couldn't believe what that tree did. It just like it came back to life. It was resurrected from the dead. That tree now is probably about four or five inches in uh, diameter, and it's maybe 15, 20 feet tall. So it just shows you that there has to be proper nourishment. And if someone is not producing fruit, one of those causes could be that it's not being nourished. Now there are a number of causes, now we're speaking spiritually here, that could cause a, a, a failure of nourishment. Let's go back here to Zechariah, for example. Zechariah chapter 7 and verse number 12. You see, um, we can pick it up in verse 11. They refuse to heed shrugged their shoulders and stopped their ears so that they could not hear. You you probably had that with your children. You tell them to do something, want to take a hold of them, something, just shrug their shoulder and go off. Now, how well does that set? That does not set well. All right. And they made their hearts like flint, refusing to hear the law of the words uh, and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. So again, what was the problem here? They were not being nourished, and it was their own fault in this particular case. And human nature being what it is, we can certainly see why. In Luke 8, verse number 15. Here's another statement in the New Testament here. Luke 8, verse number 15. Here's the contrast now. The ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. They bear fruit with patience. But what did they do? They heard it, and they kept it. So uh, it, fell on, um, it fell on good soil, and uh, they, these people did utilize the nourishment that was available. But what was the um, key here? They heard it with a noble and good heart, and then they kept it, and then fruit was born. So improper nourishment is certainly one of the, the, the problems, the barriers to, uh, to fruitfulness. Now there's another one. Another one is disease. Now, I have two pear trees, one in the front yard and one in the back. And uh, I, I had this back tree growing there. One year, I didn't pay much attention to what was going on. And about mid-season, I took a look at it. And it was just covered with some kind of a brown condition that the leaves were just drying up. And, of course, it wasn't producing any fruit. So um, I found out we took a sample down to the uh, county uh, extension office, and they, they said, well, we'll have to look at it. They called us back in a few days and, and said it had um, leaf curl or something, some kind of a disease that was causing the leaves to curl. And they said, what you have to do for it is you have to go out in the spring and, and spray it with a fungicide. Now, up here in Oregon, you have all this rain the time of the year when things begin to come out. So if you spray and you don't put some kind of a oil in the spray, it won't stay on. And so I've learned uh, to 
use the fungicide and then add this uh, oil that causes it to stick. And so I do that every year. It, I stop the leaf curl and we get a really a marvelous crop of uh, pears off of this tree. So we whip the disease. Now the disease that I'm talking about spiritually, we, we all know about physical disease and we become afflicted with that occasionally, but the disease I'm talking about is spiritual disease. Diseases of the heart and mind. And here's a very good example of what I'm talking about. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning here in verse number 4, in verse 3. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, reviling, and evil surmisings, or suspicions, as this New King James wrangling has, um, version has, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds. Something's gone wrong with their mind. They're, they're religious. They have their own ideas, and they want to try to cram it down everyone else. They disagree with the ministry. They disagree with the doctrine, yet they still hang around. They're sick. In fact, one of the scriptures elsewhere even uses that word, although it isn't translated that way in the... Uh, the authorized version. And in Galatians 6, verse number 3, you know, if, you, if, you're, a, if you're a wise person, and there, there may be some things you don't understand or disagree with, what's one of the worst things you can be guilty of in God's sight? Stirring discord among brethren. If you don't agree with it, you don't have to stay around, and you certainly should not be guilty of causing any problems. On Galatians 6, verse number 3, if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. The fact is, we're all nothing. What do we amount to? Absolutely zero. Zilch. Nothing. That's what we better realize about ourselves. And the only goodness that we have comes from God's Spirit and the help that He gives us. So let's recognize that when you get puffed up in your mind and you get the idea you're important... And uh, you can just say anything you want to do. I tell you, that's, you're not going to bear fruit, plain and simple. It's a disease that's causing it. It's a disease of the mind. It's a mental disease. And uh, Romans 12, verse number 16. Be of the same mind, uh, one, uh, mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things. You aspire to some office. You, you desire somebody to look up and, uh, and, and think you're great in some way, and, and uh, you have uh, the um, idea that uh, you should be greater than what you are, it's a disease of the mind. I'll tell you this. I'll just tell you frankly how I, I feel. When people come up, it doesn't happen very often, but sometimes some, some person that uh, is, uh, I'm just acquainted with or knows a little bit about the truth, something, they'll start flattering. Oh, I hate flattery. I'll tell you I hate it. It is not good, and it certainly isn't good to pass it out. So disease is certainly one of a very, very important reason why trees or vines or uh, the crops of one type won't, won't grow another. And it certainly is true whether it comes to, grow, to preparing or, or um, bringing forth uh, fruit spiritually. Now there's another reason, and this can really involve two parties. This can involve both the ministry as well as the lay member. And uh, this is what I would call improperly handling immature branches. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you have someone who come along who's reasonably new, 
and all of a sudden now you're going to deal with them like you are going to stomp on them like someone's been around for 20 years. You can't do that. I mean, we have some very good examples of that in the New Testament, and certainly no lay member has that right. And if you're not patient with people, now I'm not talking about people who are causing dissension and, and people who are stirring up trouble. That's another matter, because that involves what's, what, uh, what they're doing to the church. But I'm talking about people that have weaknesses and they're not growing as, as fast as they should or as well as they should. Then you have to realize these people are new and it's going to take time for them if God's really dealing with them and calling them. So as Paul said here in 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 2, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. As to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Now we, you old time members, will remember what kind of a program we had for years in the church. We had the broadcast. And we had uh, the correspondence course and those various things that brought people along gradually. And then by the time they got into church services, they could take the strong meat. Well, we don't have that privilege nowadays. It doesn't work that way. And so, uh, I don't know, sometimes when people get exposed, they'll, they'll read the Internet and they'll, they'll read some articles. And, and um, all of a sudden, it's just too much for them to take. I have, I have them arranged in such a way that one side is for people who are not familiar with the teachings are worldwide, and the other side is familiar is for for people who are, and hopefully uh, uh, they will go to the appropriate places, and some do, and some don't. But it nevertheless illustrates that if you handle babes improperly, uh, certainly on as on a, as a lay member in a church uh, atmosphere, you can cause terrible damage, and that that's what we all need to realize. Second Peter three verse number eighteen. You see but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Something we grow, it's, it's a lifelong process. And it takes a lot of time in, some t in, in many areas to really grasp and understand what needs to be done. And if God's working with us, he's certainly capable of impressing those things on us. 1 Peter 5.10 May the God of all grace who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, the, this thing of bearing fruit uh, requires uh, sometimes suffering. Now, we have uh, these people over in India. You know, they uh, they believe a lot of them. I don't know which, which degree and which particular sect or cult or part of a sect or cult believes this, but they believe that uh, plants have life. So they won't... They won't uh, They'll hardly even eat a plant because, they, or cut a branch off it, because if they do, they're harmed. It's, 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 got, it's going to feel pain and this kind of thing. Well, you know that's nonsense, but uh, that's that's what they think, and it's uh, it's, it's almost reminds you of what Paul said there. They worship and serve the creature more than the Creator, and uh, the word creature, by the way, is translated several places as creation. They worship the creation. That's a good summary of environmentalism. Anyway, let's realize here that it does take time for people to grow, and they can't have it uh, just shoved down them. As we read back here in verse number 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty head of God. That's what it takes to really grow. And if, uh, if one is handled improperly, either in his own mind how he approaches it, because he doesn't have proper understanding, or because somebody else, however well-meaning and misguided may be in it, or even if the ministry is uh, 
is too hard on people who are brand new and doesn't give them a chance. I know that I know there have been times when we have understood that quite well and we've dealt with new people in that regard. But some lay members don't seem to understand that, and they won't they won't give them the benefit of the doubt and give them time to grow. So let's uh, let's be aware of that. So um, humble yourselves under the mighty head of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. All right, here's another problem now that is a barrier to fruitfulness, and that's improper pruning. If you don't know what you're doing in pruning, uh, you can really do damage to a tree. In fact, I knew of one uh, one man, and uh, he went out to prune his tree, and he cut it off so short it died. Uh, some trees can't take a, a, a abuse like that, but others can. Um, I have a uh, there's one I have a fig tree in the yard, and um, it's been frozen two or three times. It hasn't frozen now in a long time because we haven't had those kind of freezes. But but I cut it off twice, or well, one time almost to the ground, another time about a foot from the ground, and that tree today now must be it'd be 15 feet high. It comes right back. But some trees can't take that. So you have to realize you have to prune properly. And you have to prune yourself properly. You can't uh, just expect to accomplish the whole thing overnight. It does take time. Now in 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 1, Paul said, Brethren, I came to you. I did not come with excellency of speech and or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. And then as he says here, here's the point I want to get at, verse number 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, that means, frankly, you can't even depend, rest on your own understanding. You'd be amazed how many people get confused on things when they're first starting out. And uh, if they try to do too much too soon, it doesn't work. They have to take it at their own pace as they're able to, and as they can take it. Some people have habits and weaknesses that are so powerful and so strong that even though they want to overcome them very, very much, they just don't have the power to do it. I visited a woman one time back in Denver, and she was a heavy cigarette smoker. And she said, don't worry, Mr. Clark. She said, I'll tell you, the next time you come and see me, I'll, think, I'll see this thing whipped. You'll see this thing whipped. And I went back and saw her a few months later. Did she have it whipped? No. She was, I'll tell you one thing, though, she began to learn how weak she was and how humble she needed to be. So it, it does illustrate uh, that uh, we have to, the, the pruning has to be handled very carefully and it has to be based on God's Word and the guidance and direction that you can get from experienced people who really know and aren't grinding some axe and are trying to be important. And in uh, uh, Proverbs 3, verse number 5, Here's what we're told. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, you might think, well, I know how to solve this person's problem, and you're going to tell them. You may not know. You may just think you know. There's a big difference between knowing and thinking you know. And so uh, even a person who is uh, who's being called and, and has to struggle against the pulls of the flesh, they don't always understand they, they try to use their own human reason to solve the problems a lot of times instead of getting their noses in the Bible and really finding out what it says. Hebrews uh, 6 and verse number 7. 
Hebrews 6 and verse number 7. We read here, For the earth drinks in the rain, and that often comes upon it, and bears herbs useful for those who, whom it is cultivated. Now, that is, what that is illustrating, that um, when, you, when I'm talking about the term cultivating, that, that, that probably is broader. When you think in terms of cultivating, you think in terms of, of tearing the, ripping the soil up so oxygen can get in. Uh, when we were, when I was a boy, we had a garden, and um, my dad would have me go down there with that hand pushing thing. It had a metal wheel in front, and it had these these uh, sharp uh, tines, curved tines sticking out below it. And then I'd have to go up and down those rows and just push. It was hard to push and hot and it was miserable. I had to try to push those, uh, loosen up that soil and that dirt or in the rows so the pla the plants could get oxygen but without doing any damage to the plants. That's what people often think that, that cultivating is. And, and in the technical term, I guess it is. But in a broader sense here, cultivating just means being a, uh, a farmer and, and taking care of everything that's required. And depending on the kind of crop you're growing... If you have um, row crops, they usually have to have their, the weeds hold out. And uh, I don't know how many of you ever hoed beans or, or, or uh, thin beets, but uh, you get an idea what I'm talking about. If you just let those weeds grow up, it becomes very damaging to the, to the crop of beans. So that is, that, that's a part of the procedure. And then, of course, the one who is growing trees has to go out and prune those trees. And uh, when you prune them, it can be very, very beneficial for the tree if it's done right. So uh, the, the pruning that takes place here has to be uh, done with wisdom on, on behalf of the person. And then it also, uh, they can have guidance and help from people who can give them some help. But it needs to be done with good discretion and good common sense. And don't expect miracles overnight. Psalm 139, verse number 23. See, here's what David said. So just think about this in terms of, of uh, when we are in the process of pruning ourselves, because the, the, the primary responsibility lies with us. It does not lie with other people solving our problems for us. It lies with us facing our own realities and solving our own problems. And so as uh, David wrote here, I believe this is a Psalm of David. Yes, and it says here, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So if we ask God to guide and lead us, and when we pray, we ask God to open our eyes so that we can see the things that we need to be working on and overcoming. That's a part of the whole process. That's, that's proper pruning, but improper pruning can have an adverse effect. All right, there's another... Um, Another cause for um, uh, a barrier, another barrier to fruitfulness, and that's no gardener. What happened? What would happen if a man planted a crop and then just took off and, and never came back? What do you think would happen? There's no telling the number of ways by which it would be damaged and ruined. Well, you look at God's crop, that's God's people, and uh, what happens when they have no gardener? In other words, they don't have a caretaker. In other words, they don't have anyone who's really preaching the truth to them. Let's notice Isaiah 30, verse number 20. Isaiah 30, verse number 20. This is talking about, um, actually, 
the time setting uh, within the book would certainly apply to the last days. Uh, for thus, as we read in verse 15, For thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. So it's describing a, a condition in the, during the millennium when the people shall dwell in Zion in, in, at Jerusalem, as we read in verse 19, You shall weep no more. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Now here's the scripture, two scriptures I want to get at. For though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, and that's a part of this human, human experience, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore. Where are the true teachers today? Who's preaching the truth? Who's preaching, who's preaching all of the truth? You can look at what happened, what's happened to the churches of God and what condition are they in. It's every man for himself. And it's just like um, it says back there in the book of Judges. There was no king in Israel in those days, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's what we have going on today. And I tell you, there's a good percentage of these churches out there that are fundamentally in agreement with one another, but they can't decide who's going to call the shots. That's what the real problem is. And I suppose based on what happened uh, back in the 70s, uh, they, they probably have strong reasons to feel that way. So your teachers, uh, but, but as we read here in the latter part of this verse 20, your eyes shall see your teachers. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way walk in it whenever you turn to the right hand or wherever you, whenever you turn to the left. So what is the human proclivity? Go to one extreme or the other. Just can't stay in the middle of the road and be balanced. So you have all these these people uh, who, um, who who departed uh, back in the 70s, and they're very very liberal, and uh, very very uh, loose in how they interpret and feel things, and they just, uh, you know they they are what I call Church of God hoppers. They just hop from church to church. They don't know whether they don't know whether they're coming or going. They don't have their feet down solid on anything. They're ecumenical. They they think that everyone is all right in the sight of God. Well. I tell you, we'll find out one of these days. Then you got the other extreme, where people are so severe and so so absolutely demanding that uh, that they want to go back to Pharisaical do's and don'ts, and, and uh, you know, as I've, I've said, they make George Wallace look like a leftist. So you know, you have one extreme and the other, because there there's no there's no king in Israel in the, in, the, in these days. Let's go back to the Book of Amos here. Amos chapter 8, I believe it is. Uh, Amos 8 in verse number 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor of thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. I'd say that's pretty well true today. Uh, what difference does it make if you have a, a good percentage of the truth right, but you've got some issues that are quite wrong? If you understand the Bible at all, James says, if you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. So let's understand that. So if there's no caretaker, you know, there's no gardener, or there's no, no, no ministers preaching the truth, people are not going to bear fruit, because they're not being told properly what they need to do. They're not being instructed out of God's word. In Luke 18, verse number 8. Here's what Jesus said. I think this pretty well summarizes the condition that the world is in. 
the churches of churches of God are in today. And here we read in Luke 18, verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge him speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find the faith on the earth? It does have the definite article in the Greek. The faith, meaning the truth, the summation of the truth. Will he find it? Implying that it is very, very scarce. So, if people are not being f properly fed the truth, there's no way they're going to be able to utilize God's Spirit to really overcome because this is a barrier to, to, to fruitfulness. Now, here's another one. What happens uh, if you... I've had this happen to me every once in a while um, when uh, I don't do it so much anymore. My wife does, but we have this big, long string of vines and it, it grows grapes. And I think they're interlockins. They're, they're seedless green grapes. And then we have one variety of seedless red grapes. And uh, when they come in, they get good and ripe, and they get almost that gold tinge to them. Oh, are they good. But we have to go out every, every spring and prune them. And so what will happen is that uh, there's, there's, the vines are so entangled and hard to see that you'll get in there and you'll cut off the wrong one. You cut one off you didn't intend to cut off. And then later on, everything starts putting out, and it starts, you start seeing all of these, uh, these vines growing, and here's this dead one here been cut off. So that's another reason that, that um, that's a barrier to fruitfulness, and that is being cut off. Now, if one is cut off from God, he certainly is not going to be able to bear fruit, is he? But, you know, the problem is, in the final analysis, we're responsible ourselves for cutting ourselves off. We're responsible ourselves. All right, now... Um, let us notice Isaiah 5, verses 1 through 4. And this is really a, a very um, apropos picture of what happened to Israel. Now, let's keep in mind, in the Old Testament period, they were given God's law and they were given God's, uh, God's uh, commandments. I was watching this. I had seen it years ago. Uh, Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments. And I guess they were playing it on quote, Easter Sunday, unquote. And uh, so I, 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 I was up there watching that, and, I, and I, I, I remember years ago I saw it. I don't know whether I'd had the truth at that time or not. I don't think I did, probably. I don't remember when it first came out. But anyway, I, it was, had so many errors in it. And they just they embellish these things, and they add things that are not there, and they make a big, if I can say it in the vernacular, cock and bull story that doesn't make a bit of sense. And so... Uh, when you realize that, you know, it almost gets disgusting. They have good parts, but they have a lot of it's disgusting. But um, they did not have access to the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, as you read back there in the book of Hebrews, God said, finding fault with them. It wasn't with his commandments and his laws, but they, they just did not have the heart to live up to it. And uh, they ended up being cut off spiritually. And Paul described it in Romans 11 chapter when he said, they've been cut off. So you Gentiles could be grafted in. Now, as we read here in Isaiah 5 and verse number 1, Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song to my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones. He planted it with a choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he went to a great lengths to prepare that field and, 
and to see that it was planted properly and had a tower there which was ready to guard against uh, foxes and things like that that come in. He had gone to great lengths to see that uh, this, um, this, uh, vi this vineyard had been set up properly. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. It didn't produce anything. And as we and any number of passages in the Bible will show that the reason it didn't is because they didn't want to hear it. They rejected it. They cut themselves off from the only way by which they could really attain the happiness and the security they really wanted. Now keep in mind those Old Testament promises to the nation of Israel were physical. They weren't offered salvation in the Old Testament period. And as a result, they have promised great physical blessings and wealth and this type of thing. As long as they obeyed God, that's what they experienced. But what happened when they, when they cut themselves off from God? Then they began to suffer from the curses until eventually both, because the nation split into two, two nations, um, the, the tribes of the south, uh, Benjamin, Judah, and Levi, remained faithful to the house of David in Jerusalem and were called the house of Judah. And to the north, the ten tribes broke away and set up their own kingdom under Jeroboam with their headquarters in Samaria, and they were called the house of Israel. So you had the house of Judah and the house of Israel, two separate houses. And they were both eventually taken into national captivity and lost their identity. So when you understand that, you can see what happened. They, 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 were, they were separated, they were cut off, and they could not produce fruit. It's amazing when you read the history of those two nations, because if you see the, the, the house of Judah, they had four or five great reformations when some righteous kings came on the scene. But uh, very rarely did those kings, uh, did, the king, did the kings that followed them follow these uh, reformations. There was a one or two cases, but most of them, as soon as another king took over, took over, they went right back into their idolatry and their evil. And the king, the house of Israel in the north, they never had one time had, one, had a reformation. Not once. So we see what happens. He expected it to bring forth good grapes. But it brought forth wild grapes. O oh, now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expect, when then I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? See, so you see the the consequence of of of, of separating from God and. And uh, when people finally get to the place where they do that, I've seen them do it over the years many a time. They don't know where they're headed for. And they're going, to, they're going to suffer the consequences. They're certainly not going to receive God's blessings any longer. The problem with a lot of people is they don't appreciate the blessings they have. And maybe in some cases, they were so inexperienced in life, been so inexperienced in life, they don't realize what good blessings are and what curses are. Sometimes we have to learn the hard way. John 15 and verse 4, here's what Jesus said. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So if you're not in contact with God and you, you don't have a relationship going with God, you don't have a chance. You know, stop and think about it for a moment. We, uh, we have these difficulties that we face, and we have these trials that come on the scene, and uh, we have these problems that arise. So, um, so when these problems arise, we think, woe is me, oh, how can this happen to me? But now just stop and think for a moment. 
What would your life be like and what would your problems be if you didn't know a thing about God and the truth and you didn't have the Holy Spirit? If you um, um, stop and, would stop and think for a moment what your life was like before you were converted and then just imagine, uh, in most cases, that, that same lifestyle continuing and probably getting worse and the amount and degree of happiness you had then compared to what you have since you've been baptized, if, you, if, if a person would already think that through soundly, I think you'd really realize what blessings we have received. So that's why Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. I think the problem is that so many people read those marvelous exa examples of God's power and manifestation in the Old Testament church and then in the New Testament church, all these miracles and healings and these, these kind of things. And, and they think spirituality is really demonstrated by manifesting that kind of power and seeing it happen. This is not the time God's trying to do that, brethren. This is a day of small things. And what God is doing now is, is building a people with character. Jesus gave the example, you know, because the, the, the disciples asked him, well, he, he said, you know, if you, if you could do this, if you had faith, you could do this and this. And they said, well, Lord, increase our faith. And then he went on to describe why he said, if you have a, a servant working for his master and then he comes in and he does all the work and then he comes in and his master requires that he fix a meal for him. And, uh, and then uh, when he gets all done, he can eat himself. Now, he said, is the master going to thank him for that? He said, no. Why, that's expected of him. So he said, I tell you this. When you've done all that's expected of you, then call yourself an unprofitable servant. What that really meant was, what Jesus is saying is, it's a greater drain and exercise on faith to carry out your regular daily duties on a faithful, regular basis than to expect some great thing. And if we could get if we could understand that, we'd see this is the time God is doing marvelous things, but in a small way that, uh, that is not recognized by the world. And in 1 John 2, verse number 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. How do we bear fruit? We abide in him. We keep the relationship going with him. No matter what we may see in the world, no matter what we may see in the church, no matter what we may see other people do. Just because you see the flaws and the faults that occurred in the church back in the 70s and even later on, that doesn't change the truth of God any. So why should it, why should it make you be any different? So if you understand that, then you'll see that we must stay in contact with God. And Paul put it in this manner. To them, this is Colossians 1, verse 27, To them God the will make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among you, among the Gentiles, which in you, here it is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. That's what has to be in you. All right, now we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Utilizing the Holy Spirit. All right, if, these barriers, if we can recognize these barriers and keep them out of our way, then we have a number of marvelous things that are said here and about in the Bible about fruitfulness. And let's remember what Colossians, what Paul wrote here in Colossians 1, verse number 10. He said, being fruitful in every good work. Now let's notice 2 Timothy 1, verse number 7. 2 Timothy 1, verse number 7. 
Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of hands. That's what we read in verse 6. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Power of what? Power to perform great miracles? Not necessarily. Power to overcome self. But it's gradual and it's it uh, requires a lot of effort on our part and it's a character building process. And God is not going to build character for you. The Holy Spirit will give you that edge you need, and that's what the that's the advantage you have. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is to say that that he's a Christian and he is um, he is in union with Christ by means of the Holy Spirit, he is a new creation. The King James Version has creature. It should be creation. He's, he's being created new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So what would your life be like if you didn't know the truth? What would your, your perspective be in life? What would your aims and goals be in life? What would you be trying to accomplish in life? And if you accomplished every single aim and goal in life that you thought was very important to you at that time, what would it be worth? You know, most of us can't even remember the names of our ancestors back two or three generations. Well, you have to dig out the old genealogical tables and charts and start looking down a list and reading names, and you don't know them, really. So, really, as Jesus said, if a man gained the whole world and lost his own soul, what would it be worth? So, just stop and think about those things for a bit here. And so he is a new creation. He's in the process of being created, and the old man is being uh, changed for the new. Philippians 2.13. As Paul says in verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, how do we do that? For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God that does it in you. God that does it through you. No one is going to do it on his own. You cannot pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. You have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. An exercise of faith and confidence to trust God and to, to, to always put your trust in him. In spite of the pains and losses and things we may suffer in this life. They're not pleasant, and they're not easy. But as Paul said, in the end, they, they yield the, the uh, fruits that, that are certainly well worth all the effort. Ephesians 2, verse number 10. For we are his workmanship. Let's go back and get it in verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it, that is the faith, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Good works. How do those good works come? By exercising the faith that God gives us, and he's working in us. Now, we may not think that they're that noticeable, but um, I'm quite sure that if you got around your old friends and and they'd never been called to a knowledge of the truth, there'd be quite a contrast in the, in the way you think and, the, and your viewpoint and the things in life that they have. 
they might have a certain amount of uh, of uh, compatibility with you, but uh, just up to a certain level. But when it got really down to the real nitty gritty of uh, of the things that God requires that we're doing, for example, this day of Pentecost as opposed to them, how much how much compatibility would there be? Second Corinthians four verse number seven. Let's get it here in verse uh, number 6. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what we have received. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That is to say, we possess it because in, in this flesh and blood body, the way we are now. That the excellency of the power of God may, power may be of God and not in us. That's what God is making us all realize. And uh, if you ever see someone that ever loses God's spirit, I've seen, I've seen some of them. I've seen people who have thrown the truth away, and then I see them a few years later, and I mean, it's disheartening. You'll smell cigarette smoke on their breath. They'll be um, going out on Friday nights and, and the dancing or going to movies and this kind of thing. Uh, divorced and remarried to another mate. And I've seen it. It's uh, heartbreaking when you see that, but that's what happens to people when uh, they don't appreciate what God has given them. And the sad part about it was many of them became disillusioned because they saw the failure of men at the top. They didn't look high enough. They should have gone to the real top, to Christ, and looked at him and recognized the foibles and the, and the shortcomings of men. Colossians 1, verse 11. Colossians 1, verse 11. You see, we just read here in verse 10 that we're to be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We don't have it all at once. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with glory, with joy. So what do we have here? Strengthened with his might according to his glorious power. That is, as he has apportioned us and what our lot in life is. And... Uh, if we're all in the process of applying these things, then the, the fruits will be produced. But it does it's a lifetime occupation and it takes a lot of a lot of effort and a lot of work to accomplish it. First Peter one verse number five. Here's what uh, Peter writes here. Beginning in verse four, we've been called, as it says here, he, he has begotten us to a lively hope to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. Every worldly inheritance we have in this world ends up going to other people or going to our relatives or going to our family, doesn't it? If we have any. And uh, it does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be re revealed in the last time. Kept by the power of God. You remember what Jesus prayed uh, to the Father just prior to his crucifixion. He said, I, every one of those that you have given me, we have kept, you have kept, except the one who was destined to be the betrayer. He didn't lose one of them. So uh, if we do our part and we ever turn from God, it will not be God's doing, it will be our own doing. Second Peter 1, verse number 3. Second Peter 1, and verse number 3. Beginning in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That pertain to what? Life and godliness. Ah, we get those, um, those desires confused. And uh, then we uh, begin to look at it in, from uh, the point of view of the physical amenities of this life. And we're judging whether or not we're blessed by those as opposed to, as it says here, the things that pertain to life and godliness. That's, uh, that, can, that can be distracting and I can, it'll sure hurt uh, producing fruit. We sit around and uh, you know, a lot of problems that people get into because of the the um, financial burden or the things that they suffer from are all, a lot of them aren't their fault, that's of course, but uh, a lot of it is just bad judgment and, and, uh, and uh, not uh, having the proper priorities in spending. And uh, a lot of them have created their own problems. And uh, by which we have been given us, uh, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So that's the difference. That's a big difference. And I think we ought to realize that and be very grateful for it and realize that God's Spirit is working with us and it is being utilized. And uh, if we set aside or get rid of any of these barriers that may be in the road, we'll, we can progress even more. Romans 15, verse number 13. Romans 15, verse 13. Now here's how Paul closes it. Here we have some encouragement, so let's, uh, let's uh, take this to heart. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What is hope? It's something we're looking forward to. If we receive it, Paul said, hope's no longer required or necessary. So we're, we're looking forward to it. And probably a good percentage of us will go to our graves with that hope. But that's not what we're here for. Because if we are expecting to receive it in this life, we, we probably will be very, very disillusioned. We're looking for something that's far greater than the physical amenities of this world what is, and what can be offered in it. And uh, finally then in Ephesians 6, verse number 10. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So if we do our part, we recognize the barriers that can get in the way. And uh, we make every effort to, uh, to remove those barriers and keep in close contact with God and pray and study as we should. We're bound to have success. And remember, Jesus talked about those who produced uh, 100% and somewhat 60 and some 40. They were all all blessed by God. So let's let's recognize that and let's uh, appreciate the significance of this day of Pentecost.